Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here reunited to talk about the OG Ananobi trade in depth. Got a little a little uh, instant reaction in earlier, but now it's time to talk about this thing. What it means for the Knicks, what trading RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly means to the Knicks, and more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell or the auto-download function on your on YouTube or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Certainly this week has been a busy one. We're here for a little more than usual. I think this is our sixth or seventh episode this week, thanks to this OG Ananobi trade. So you never never want to miss one if there's ever any breaking Knicks news. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, Gavin, uh, well, I'll just introduce the news for anyone that's been living under a rock or hasn't checked Twitter or whatever and didn't see the first episode we put out on this, but OG Ananobi's a Nick. He, whoa! Oh, whoa. Sorry. Yeah, did I just uh, break that to you, too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know why we were talking, but now... Yeah, I was I'm like, Gavin, we got to get on right now. We, we got to <laughs> do something. Um, yeah, suddenly it all makes sense, right? But yeah, OG Ananobi's a Nick. Uh, Presh Chua, also a Nick. Malachi Flynn, also a Nick. In exchange for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Detroit's second-round pick this year. Gavin, I'll redirect anybody who hasn't listened to it yet right now. If you want to hear my full thoughts on it, I thought I was going to go for 15 to 20 minutes and ended up talking for almost a half an hour earlier today. So I gave some initial thoughts on this deal. But considering this is your first time getting to talk about it, what are your thoughts on the OG Ananobi trade? So first, for such a monumental podcast, I, I will apologize for any picture or audio quality issues because I'm coming to you from a hotel room in Eugene, Oregon, was working for CBS Sports Day. Really cool opportunity, Alex. I didn't think I need to bring uh, my mic or camera. We said we we're going to do game recaps Sunday night. I didn't imagine there would be a franchise-altering trade for the New York Knicks, but from now on, my, I'll open up my imagination a little wider. I will always carry a microphone with me on any single trip because the Knicks could pull off something like this. Probably they're um, outside of signing Jalen Brunson. Um, their single biggest move since the Kristaps Porzingis trade. I guess I guess you could say signing Julius Randle as well. Let, let's just call it their single biggest trade um, in the last five years um, by a pretty healthy margin. Um, the my initial gut reaction, from being honest, was I really hate losing Emmanuel quickly. That sucks. He's one of my all-time favorite Knicks. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that I, I cannot believe maybe, maybe he comes back one day, but I, I cannot believe that there there's a potentiality, if that's a word that he'll never put on a Knicks Jersey again, that sucks. And I think he's an incredible player, but I've, I've kind of come to accept as I've thought about this throughout the day that the second he didn't sign the extension this summer, he was probably gone in some form or fashion. It became readily evident that the Knicks and, and particularly Tom Thibodeau did not see quick 
the way you and I see quick, which is someone who can start next to Jalen Brunson and someone who, when he's played next to Brunson, has had an extraordinary amount of success and has has kind of been the, the co-engine of some of the best lineups in all basketball. And, and they just saw him as a six man and quickly wanted to pay, get paid as someone who was a key part of one of the best lineups in basketball. And the Knicks said, no, 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 you're a six man. We're, we're not going to be big enough to win the playoffs if you guys are playing together. And maybe that would be proven true. Quickly has, has not had any substantial playoff success, um, but he's also only played a, a couple of games in the postseason, a couple of games, particularly when he's not a rookie. Um, so that is up for debate. RJ Barrett, uh, another guy, despite the fact that I have, I have probably ragged on him harder than I've ever ragged on him the last few days, Alex, um, someone that it's emotional to part with, like a number three pick out of Duke, uh, the number one high school prospect in the country. And he wanted to come to New York. He embraced every single bit about being in New York. He's been a fantastic teammate in just about every former fashion, um, the consummate professional, someone who I think embodied this franchise's newfound respectability. Um, and it, it's it's painful to part with that because there's there's always a part of me, even even if it doesn't work out with another team, like it's always going to wonder what if with RJ because we, we saw the flashes of how good he is at his best. We all appreciated what he did in last year's playoffs. I, I cannot say at the end of the day that I ultimately expect him to become a great player, but you know, with his work ethic, if he proves me wrong, like I'll, I'll, I'll take that. And that would be very, very painful for the Knicks if that does happen. Um, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts on, on OG, but I don't, I don't want to talk the whole 10 minutes, Alex. I don't know how, how much of that did you get to in your first segment? I, I assume you, you were sort of on the same page of just like the, the gut punch that this trade was as exciting as it is. Yeah, I mean, immediately when I saw OG's name coming to the Knicks, I was like, sweet. Like, I was like, you know, I'm glad that they pulled the trigger on this deal because, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, that was something that during our first recap of Knicks, you know, Raptors this year, I was like, I made a special point to be like, you know what? Maybe I hope all these rumors are true because I really see the vision. Like, I feel like he could be a perfect fit for what the Knicks need right now. And it turns out, they thought the same thing and they wound up bringing him in that said like yeah losing quickly really hurts man like that's just it's it you know you grow attached to these players especially when you see them grow up you know like quickly went from having his limitations from being a skinny kid getting into the nba to bulking up to growing as a you know as a professional also seeming to grow as a person throughout his time here like you see these guys and it's like you know it's like having like a uh i don't want to be overly dramatic and say like a family member or something, but like you grow attached to them, especially like with us, we're covering these guys every single day. You know, we're watching every single game, listening to so much stuff from them and whatever that it, it hurt. I think he's a good dude. I think he's a phenomenal basketball player. I think that he's, his work ethic is crazy. I think the Knicks are going to miss that. They're going to miss that energy. They're going to miss, you know, everything that he brought, the swagger that he brought, like everything else. I mean, it's, it's painful to lose him, but nothing else, you know, if nothing else, the, the impact that he brought, uh, to the Knicks is is going to be missed too. I mean, regardless of if it was if it was appreciated or not, it was there. <laughs> you know, the numbers say it. Uh, whether Tibbs wanted to admit it or not, like the numbers said that he was phenomenally altering games for the Knicks. Uh, that said, like Ogiana Novi does a lot of the same things. If you look at you know on off and and things of that nature, all the same stats that we point to all the time that say the Knicks are so much better when quickly is on the floor that's pretty much all true for OG Ananobi too. Uh, and he does the same thing, but he's, he's six inches taller and has a seven foot two wingspan or seven foot three wingspan, whatever it is. So 
you know, it's tough to tough to get too mad at it, other than the fact that you know you're losing a guy that you've become kind of attached to over the years, and a guy who is probably going to torch the Knicks every time they face the Raptors uh, four times a year for the next ten years or so, which will also be annoying. But hopefully the Knicks will be good enough that they can absorb that <laughs> going forward. <laughs> RJ, I'm I'm with you too. I, I pretty much said the same stuff earlier. You know, it's tough. Like the last two guys that the Knicks have drafted in the top four of the drafts, the first two times they've done that since Patrick Ewing. They traded both of them rather unceremoniously yeah. and, you know, just haven't come to that franchise savior yet on that Ewing level. Um, but RJ was deeply flawed. I mean, I wish that the Knicks could have, and maybe this would be a good segue to the next part of this discussion, but, you know, I wish the Knicks could have found a way to just make this RJ Barrett for OG Ananobi because I think that's a seamless fit for both sides. But I think ultimately, like, the fact that they had to include Emmanuel quickly, but luckily we're able to get out of it without giving up too many draft picks speaks really highly of quicks value also sort of speaks to where rj's value was at going into this deal which was that the secret's probably out around the league he's he has some talent but he hasn't realized a lot of it yet and he's in his fifth year in the nba and like he's got to start figuring that out sooner than later yeah i i think just just to circle back a little bit because i wanted to drive this point home like where the Knicks heads were at this summer, like when they got DiVincenzo, like we, we both came on this pod and talked about how I, or at least I, I don't want to speak for you. I, I think I thought it was, it was pretty inevitable that one of quickly or Grimes would be on the way out. And we've, we've talked ourselves in circles all season saying, wow, they're screwing DiVincenzo. How are they not playing Grimes more? How are they playing, not playing quickly more? I mean, the fact of the matter is unless they were willing to start quickly and even if they were, unless they just fully excised RJ from the rotation and essentially made Grimes a small forward, um, th there was no way they were ever going to play these guys the appropriate amount of minutes. And DiVincenzo was assigning for now. Yes. And assigning to make the team better from game one. But he was also insurance for if if you lose it quickly or if, if you lost a Grimes. And no, DiVincenzo does not bring the same on-ball creation that quickly does or, or the same level of like off-ball defensive genius. And, and, and we could get into like exactly what that shift means for the Knicks. Like him and Grimes are here because quickly isn't, right? Like like there there is still depth and there is still talent. And this team, I think, is very, very clearly not done yet and, and and we can get into what that means and what that looks like but they went from having about three and a half shot creators if you want to give uh maybe like a 0.9 to quickly and a 0.6 to rj or 0.75 to both um to two shot creators because og is an all world defender he is an excellent shooter he's a smart passer who will make the extra pass he's a fantastic cutter He's not a creator. And, and that is an area the Knicks are deeply, deeply lacking right now and can only be remedied uh, with another trade because there isn't really an internal candidate, at, at least in my opinion, to take over those on-ball reps, those on-ball moments. What, what OG does do, though, in, in a single player, Alex, is combine RJ's positional size, which at the end of the day, again, agree with it or disagree with it. For Tom Thibodeau, if he was going to remain coached, it is a prerequisite to start games and to finish games and to basically play 30 plus minutes for him. You need to have that positional size and is a two-way star or if, if not a star, like two-way, like I, I don't, I'm trying to think of the best way, certainly a defensive star and certainly an excellent offensive player. Uh, I'll keep it to that, which quickly was, but quickly didn't have that size. So you get those, all those things in one player now 
And I, I think that's that's where you th- this trade was a no brainer. I, I think for the Knicks front office and and Tom Thibodeau in particular, even if it's not that simple for us fans. Um, I want to get into Alex a little bit more on the idea that the Knicks could have kept quickly in this trade. Um, why OG's impending free agency will ultimately be crucial for this team. Um, but before I do all that, how about you tell us a little bit about our good friends over at Prize Picks? Yes, well, I don't know if anyone here has heard of Prize Picks before. If you haven't, you must not be listening consistently. You're not an everyday or you got to come on, man, step it up. But let me tell you about Prize Picks. It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because if it, it's just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six players uh, on their stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And with basketball season here, there's a pretty cool thing going on. You can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. So it's a league that they've created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you could pick LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. And Prize Picks offers a really cool thing called the Reboot Policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, which is huge. If you play any form of daily, if you play any form of fantasy sports, daily or otherwise, it's huge to have injury insurance because there's no quicker way to derail a fantasy day than an injury, uh, no matter how you play it. Also, what's pretty cool about prize picks, in addition to those combo entries, you can also pick multi-sport entries. So you could pick like three different sports on a single ticket if you want, put it all together and just pick over-unders. And if all your predictions hit, you win lots of money from prize picks. It's very cool if you're a multi-sport fan. So if you want to try for yourself, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. And use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Gavin, we're back in, continuing talking through the OGN and OB trade. And, you know, based off where we left things at the end of that, that first segment, I think a good place to start would be with some notes from Ian Begley. So he put out a, a little video after the trade. And uh, we took some notes off of that. So I'm just going to run through the bullet points real quick because I thought some of these were pretty interesting. So Begley, you know, it's all just paraphrasing just from what he said in the video, but he said the Knicks and Raptors initially had discussions when the Knicks were in Toronto earlier this month. So good to know. Civil- civility still exists, even when you have yeah. a, a pending lawsuit against each other. That, uh, that's still the craziest part about it, this, it Alex. Is. Like It's easy to brush over that, and I haven't seen it discussed yet. Wild that these two teams who are like just smearing poop at each other in public <laughs> are on each I guess you smear on each other. You would toss to each other. Um, point being, uh, crazy that they pulled this trade off. I guess I guess lawsuits aren't what they used to be. Sorry, go ahead. I, I guess it's also just a matter of like lawsuits are done in the courtroom, trades are done in the you know in the the boardroom. I don't know whatever whatever room they make trades from. Uh, Leon Rose's office. I don't know, but anyway, yeah. So apparently they had discussions in Toronto earlier this month. Uh, the Raptors had some discussions at the G League showcase uh, about Ananobi to other teams, and then ultimately came calling back to the Knicks because I guess the Knicks offer was the best. Which is kind of hilarious because remember when they said that the Raptors wanted like three first round picks and like 
two young players for OG Ananobi and Yannick? Team, I think Memphis offered four first last year. And I guess we don't know the protections on them, but that was not enough for Toronto. A year. Yeah, crazy how the market has changed, too, over the course of just this last offseason as far as star trades go and just trades for high-level players. But anyway, uh, so... Begley also noted this could be setting up another move for the Knicks as it gives them further financial flexibility. This refers to the fact that OG is going to be a free agent this coming offseason. Uh, I saw a report out there. I apologize because I forget who wrote it. It was from a little bit ago talking about OG with uh, CAA and those ties. And this is when the Knicks initially had interest in OG. Uh, that He apparently had told people around the league like, I want around like $40 million a season. That's why I'm switching agencies. He ultimately went with CAA and with Leon Rose's son, but apparently he had let it known, let it be known privately that he would take a little less to play in New York too. So pretty, pretty solid there. I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, uh, the Knicks were concerned about re-signing Emmanuel quickly, according to Ian Begley and the implications for paying guys like Grimes, Randall and Brunson down the road. Uh, also noted that Precious Achua could be a good addition for the Knicks, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Be six foot eight, seven foot wingspan, maybe could play some center under Tibbs. I outlined some uh, some of the rebounding numbers earlier that suggest like if Tibbs looks at those, he should feel comfortable playing Achua at center. Uh, but then you had a direct quote here, Gavin, that you wrote down. Don't think they're oh, done. Sorry. That, was, that was also a paraphrase. I just wrote it in quotes yeah. to show that Mo it was a match. Okay, yeah, Mo yeah, mostly pretty direct. Close, quote. Pretty close. It's slightly indirect quote. Go ahead. Yeah, don't don't think they're done. One or two bigger moves could be on the horizon. So I wrote down a few names that I think could be could potentially be referring to there. Uh, Donovan Mitchell always going to be linked to the Knicks. Dejounte Murray uh, has been linked to the Knicks lately. Uh, there was that whole story about like the Knicks want Dejounte Murray, but Rich Paul doesn't want him in New York. It's like oh, I wonder why that's coming out now. Maybe because they're actively making calls. Also, Dejounte Murray changed his profile picture on Instagram to just a black picture and deleted all posts or mentions of the Atlanta Hawks in there. So that's a little interesting too. Um, but then maybe there could be a surprise other player that comes into play. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant come to mind with Durant uh, allegedly being unhappy in Phoenix, although he's been like super balling out ever since that came out. So who knows what's going on there? Uh, but Gavin, you know, you mentioned at the end of the last segment, uh, could the Knicks have maybe done this without Emmanuel quickly? I think the answer is yes. They probably could have, but I think it would have cost them picks. And in my opinion, and I said this earlier, I think the fact that they didn't include really any picks out of the war chest here suggests that they are far from done and that they might not even be done in the next few weeks as far as making big, potentially earth-shattering moves to improve this team. Yeah, I think it, it it's it's interesting to imagine. Let, let's just say they, they kept quickly, right? And your, your lineup is Brunson, quickly, OG, Randall, and then either Mitch or Hardenstein. To me, that is a genuine contender in the East. But you're banking on quickly being able to translate his regular season level of play into the playoffs, which we've literally never seen him do so far. And that doesn't mean it wouldn't happen. But I think what this came down to the Knicks is, is just one like Tom Thibodeau again. Like I, I know I, I keep harping on this. He, he just fundamentally did not believe that quickly and Brunson could play together like that. That is abundantly clear. And will that come to bite the Knicks in the butt? if quickly goes to Toronto and, and basically pulls a Jalen Brunson, but with better defense, I don't think quickly is ever going to be quite the score that Brunson is just because the bag is not as deep. Um, but could he put up similar numbers, just shooting a bunch of threes, a bunch of runners and being a really nice defender. Yeah. Do I think the like quickly in that lineup with Ananobi Randall and Brunson 
is height aside basically like the perfect fourth player? Yeah. But you're going for kind of a 2005 Pistons model. And does that fly in a league where the Boston Celtics have five different guys with very good arguments to make an all-star team this year where the Denver Nuggets have a a player that as incredible as Jalen Brunson is, is just a couple of echelons better. Um, Maybe ultimately that probably wouldn't have been enough to win the championship. Obviously what the Knicks have right now is not enough to win the championship, but to your point, all those picks at at least give you the possibility that when the next guy become becomes available, you can go and get him. The issue remains for New York that they're still going to get outbid by some teams. The Thunder can pay more. Even teams like the Jazz and the Rockets can pay more just in terms of sheer pick equity. And if you're the Knicks with Quickly and RJ gone, you also have less players to deal in that kind of deal, right? Like, like who's who's the centerpiece going out? Is it Julius Randle? Are you bringing in someone who's so good that you can replace him and be a title contender? Like, I think there are still very real questions here. And as Begley noted, as basically everyone's noted, it seems like another move is inevitable because this team is is good right now. They are still a possibility to lose in the first round. They're unlikely to get out of the second round. So what's going to happen? Um, They're closer to being a championship contender than they were yesterday, but in some ways still very, very far away, I, I guess is where I'm at. Yeah, and they do find themselves in a really interesting place financially, too, because for all the talk of like they freed up some more financial freedom for this coming off season or whatever, they now just kind of like, let's say that precious Achua does really well and, you know, plays great at backup center for them this year. Now you kind of have the same problem you're going to have with quickly. You might have a bunch of suitors going after this guy in restricted free agency this coming off season, because he's another guy that was drafted in 2020, didn't get a new contract and is going to be hoping to get that. And actually, say, I mean, I don't think it's likely, but the same technically goes for Malachi Flynn, too. So, like, you're going to have another guy that, you know, is going to be, in theory, a restricted free agent. Maybe we'll have a suitor or two. If he plays really well, then you're stuck with a, another tough decision. And then that's saying nothing of the fact that you have OG Ananobi who's going to want to get paid big time uh, this coming offseason and probably make five, six, seven million dollars more per season than what RJ Barrett was making. So, you know, they do kind of have to make up their mind quick and this does have to be a this does have to be a move towards something bigger i think because like you noted like they did lose out on some of their playmaking here and you could stagger randall and and brunson pretty well and you know tibbs actually it almost makes more sense like it feels like he's been doing that more lately where he's been having randall come in with the second unit more and sort of play make with those guys maybe this was all in preparation for this move eventually because that used to be rj's role uh but you know, it, they're going to have to figure something out as far as getting another playmaker in here, which that might be an offseason thing to tackle with the mid-level exception or something. Uh, but they're also they still have to make that big deal. Like they have to use all those picks for something. They have to do something here and, and make that move, take their shot, try to win a championship. Because um, this is a move that that forwards that agenda. Like Ananobi is not a unless he is who he thinks he is, which apparently for the last couple of years, OG's been sort of privately saying like. I'm better than what I'm being, you know, cast as here in the NBA. Um, you know, unless that unless that comes to be and he actually is like this hidden megastar that just wasn't allowed to flourish in Toronto for some reason, then the Knicks just got a, you know, a, one of the best possible wing role players in the entire NBA, like yeah. period. But a guy that maybe is not going to be that star level guy. And then, 
you know, you kind of just need to figure out who the next upgrade is going to be then. And to your point, maybe that's Julius Randle. Maybe they feel like if they can trade like Grimes and Evan Fournier and like a whole bunch of picks to Atlanta who are kind of floundering this year, you know, that they'd be willing to blow it up. Maybe you trade those guys there with a bunch of picks, get DeJounte Murray. Maybe they think, okay, now we've got three legit ball handlers. DeJounte's got the length to play the two next to Brunson. And, you know, you could sort of just make a super version of what he just had with Trey Young, I guess. Uh, but also with OG Ananobi to cover up for mistakes. With Isaiah Hartenstein to cover mistakes on the inside. Eventually Mitchell Robinson next year when he gets better. Um, I don't know. It, it's an intriguing concept. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what the what Leon Rose and the Knicks think is the, the solution here. Um, yeah. I, I want to throw in one thing real quick before we, mm -hmm. we go to break, Alex. Because you, you kind of reminded me of it. It's it's just going to be so interesting to see what this what this does for Randall and Brunson because on one hand, to, like so much is on their plate now, and and they're going to have to do everything in terms of running the Knicks offense to some extent. On the other hand, we we've said it a million times, but RJ out of like almost any starting wing in the NBA was just about the worst fit next to those guys, and it was it was kind of a marriage of convenience, right? Because RJ was seemingly the only guy the Knicks considered at three, even if uh, I was as a little bit of a Darius Garland guy at the time, but then you wouldn't have had Jalen Brunson probably. Um, and then you, you bring in Brunson because of like all the family connections and it just made sense. And, and, and the price was right, but it, it was never because those three were a dream fit together. In fact, they were a terrible fit together. OG on the other hand, like maybe outside of someone like Paul George, just because he's a better player. Like, is there a wing who, like, not that he makes the Knicks better, but in terms of none of those three guys getting in their way, in each other's way, like, is there a better fit in the entire league than OG Ananobi next to Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson? I'm not sure. And and that's where, again, I go back to, like, for everyone, like, questioning this trade. And I, I certainly have my questions that it could end up looking stupid if quickly makes an all-star team next season and, and continues to make all-star teams. Like, this is this is a dream fit. And I, I think that's why the Knicks do it at the end of the day. Yeah, my last thing before we before I quick toss it to to our last break would just be to say in regards to and I, actually, you know what? We got a question. We So we have some great mailbag questions from you guys that we solicited off Twitter. And one of them gives me the opportunity to make the point I want to make. So I'm going to make a point about Leon Rose and about the Knicks and the general direction that they're taking things in just a sec. But Gavin, do you want to let everybody know about our good friends at FanDuel first before we do that? Absolutely, Alex. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. I always have to say it loudly because it's so much money. If your team wins, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And Alex, on a day where the Knicks get OG Ananobi and Ian Begley, our buddy, comes out and says there are more big moves on the horizon. You know there was only one place where I could go with all this, and that is NBA championship odds. The New York Knicks got moved up a little bit today, plus 4,000 to win an NBA title. Now those odds aren't amazing, um, but they're really good if you think the Knicks have a superstar trade in them, whether that's a blow-up in Phoenix or somewhere else, and they get a star. This team's a championship core. They're just missing their best player. That one small, simple step. So if you agree with that, visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and kick off both the NFL and NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
Alrighty, we are taking your questions here on Locked On Knicks. The first one comes from our favorite Aussie, Victor Miguel at Victor underscore Miguel underscore B. And he wants to know, is there another step up OG may take defensively under a defensive coach like Tom Thibodeau? Alex, I'll throw that to you. Yeah, so I think the answer is yes. Uh, in, in my opinion, it would be rim protection. So I don't know if I've mentioned it yet. Actually, I know I've mentioned it multiple times, but OG has perfect NBA size. He's six foot eight, seven foot two wingspan. He's built pretty well. Like he's definitely filled out his frame as an NBA player. He looks imposing because he is imposing and he can guard like pretty much every position on the floor if given the opportunity. But uh, I think that the big thing would be if he could become a rim protector. And so I'll break down some numbers right now. So right now he's 94th percentile in block percentage for wings, or I should say last year, he was 94th percentile in block percentage for wings last year at 1.1%. He's a little lower this year. I think he's at like 0.7 or something like that. When I looked it up on clean the glass, but pretty respectable for a wing. And you know, a guy that is, you expect that those are going to come when he's defending guys one-on-one and, you know, gets a block out of that scenario. Uh, of course, he gets plenty of steals too, you know, just by virtue of being so long and and able to get in passing lanes and stuff like that. But so very, very good in terms of wings uh, at blocking shots. But in terms of a big, that would not even be in the top 50th percentile. So if he wanted to get into the category of being able to play like some center, he would probably have to start blocking shots about 2% of the time if he wanted to become like a half, you know, a, a top 50% uh, player at that position as far as, blocking shots and you know and and defending the rim in that way but i do think that if he can show that he could do that there is a chance that tibbs would trust him to go out there and finally run a small lineup you know run the knicks run their own version of like a death lineup where you could have randall at the four and og at the five or you know if you want to say that randall's the five in that scenario it doesn't really matter but have those two guys out there at the two big man spots and then run something like brunson uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, maybe like have your Villanova guys out there with those two, just run, 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 run all the time, shoot lots of threes, maybe sub Quentin Grimes into one of those spots and try to just destroy other teams with your three point shooting. But it would be key to like the key to doing that is that OG Ananobi has to be able to show some room protection. And, you know, it's kind of funny because like Presta Chua, I think will get some of those center minutes and he's built very similarly to Ananobi but just has more center instincts and, you know, generally uh, plays the position, you know, plays his position more like a center, whereas OG plays more like a wing, which is fine. So just kind of require testing some things out in practice, see if it works. But if he does show that he's able to do that, then I think that could be another step he could take defensively under Tibbs. Other than that, though, I, I don't know if he really has another gear to find in how he already plays defense because he's already so freaking good at it. Yeah, I, I think the the only thing I would I would throw out is, is more risk taking, and and you were you you more than hinted at it. You said this, Alex. Uh, maybe my biggest concern with this trade is is how dramatically his block percentage and steal percentage are down this year. To your point, he went from ninety fourth percentile block percentage to sixty fourth percentile block percentage, ninety fifth percentile and steal percentage. A category that since his third year in the league, so the last four seasons, he's never been below eighty eighth percentile in. He's fifty fourth percentile this year. That almost makes me think there there might be some kind of injury issue there because I don't think going from 25 to 26, his athleticism suddenly dropped off a cliff. It is worth noting that he's fouling 
dramatically less this year. And this is the first year that he's been elite in terms of not fouling. He's always been kind of middling in that. And that was the trade-off for him being one of the better block and steal guys in the NBA. I think playing with Mitchell Robinson behind him next season, and maybe that's a little presumptuous on my part because it assumes that uh, he resigns and assumes that that Mitch uh, comes back and the Knicks want Mitch to come back. Um, he's never had a rim protector like that in his NBA career. Like Jakob Pertl is is fine. Pascal Siakam is a pretty good shot blocker for a power forward. He's never, ever, ever played with someone like Mitchell Robinson. So more than Tom Thibodeau, I, I think the Knicks personnel will give him the chance to take risks and gamble for steals and blocks in a way that he's never had. And is, assuming that's still in there and it hasn't weirdly been monstered away at age 26, um, that is incredibly enticing because he's someone that even without that benefit, um, has been exceptionally good in those areas um, up until this year in his NBA career. Uh, the next question comes from Picasso times Socrates. Wow, th th that's who should be hosting this podcast. What, what, what are we doing? Uh, at the real Bonnie. Um, and they want to know, does Tibbs have excessive influence with the front office? The front office flipped heart for Cam once he was no longer in his good graces. Quick had a shortage on minutes and was traded after the bad sub down the stretch of the Thunder game. Tibbs' guys are always being brought in. So this is, this is a fantastic point, Alex. It's one I've been making for the first half hour of this podcast. Um, this feels like a Tom Thibodeau trade and a, a trade that's like, uh, we're not really questioning whether or not it was smart to bench Emmanuel quickly a whole lot um, and to not play him down the stretch of certain guys. So RJ Barrett could have uh, Jalen Williams bomb threes in his face. We're just going to go ahead and do what's best for Tom Thibodeau. This was, this was I would say, a stunning endorsement of Tibbs. Maybe maybe not stunning in that I, I think I knew they felt this way, but it's an incredible endorsement of Tibbs. And, and, and basically saying that he supersedes everyone on this team, I think maybe not named Jalen Brunson. I don't think I agree with that, to be yeah, completely honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I I go the complete opposite direction. I think, I mean, granted, I think that Tibbs will really like OG Ananobi. I think that he'll like Presh Sachua, hopefully. I mean, that'll be his first test. Like, do you play Presh Sachua at center? And if not, then, like, play him at freaking center. Like, because if, if he starts just being like, oh, well, he could just spell Julius Randle and we'll keep bringing Taj Gibson off the bench. Like, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. That's, that's not a thing I want to see. Especially because if I were to go back and say the biggest thing that showed me that this front office is not all about what Tibbs wants over this offseason, they were like, oh, you love having, you know, a consistent amount of like, like perfect puzzle pieces that fit your idea of what like a big man is and what a, you know, what a, a power forward is, you know, what a small forward is, what a et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're going to just make it so you have to play Josh Hart as your backup four, And that's that. So deal with it. Like those are the sort of moves that they've been making lately. Uh, as far as the two moves that were that were pointed out by you know the question asker here, like uh, Hart for Cam Reddish once Cam Reddish was no longer in good graces. Does anyone regret that still? Like, are you kidding me? That was obviously a win for the Knicks. Like Josh Hart is a way better player, and they've been a much better team since acquiring him. So that had nothing to do with Tibbs and everything to do with just wanting a better rotation player than Cam freaking Reddish. Uh, and then. The quickly thing where it's like quick had a shortage on minutes. It was traded after the bad sub down the stretch. Yeah, he got subbed out for RJ Parrott, who also got traded. I don't think that that one incident did anything to affect the Knicks thinking here. Um, I do think this front office, for whatever reason, maybe was in lockstep with Tibbs about not feeling as great about Emmanuel quickly, because if they felt great about Emmanuel quickly, they would have paid him in this offseason. 
But I also think that this move, if anything, sort of puts the screws to Tibbs and says, okay, like we're starting to build like the real team now. Like this is going to be the team that you got to win a championship with or else we're going to find someone else that will because they're clearly on that track now of trying to make themselves into like legitimate contenders or they wouldn't have made this move, which I think is the the most easily the most seismic move that Leon Rose has made yet. And, you know, we'll see what comes next. But that brings me to the other thing that I, this is what I teased at the end of last segment. My mm -hmm. other thing that I wanted to say was like, I don't think that this move is necessarily made for uh, like Tibbs or, or made to be the move or whatever. I think, I think Leon made this move because he knows that he's starting to finally play his hand. Yeah. And like, this is one of the most calculating dudes uh, probably in a front office in the NBA. I mean, he ran one of the biggest sports agencies in basketball for years, maybe still the biggest, like just on pure volume alone, CAA. Like he knows how the game goes. He knows how to keep things close to his chest until it's time to play them. We're starting to see a lot of reports coming out, a lot of smoke about the Knicks being involved with a lot of guys, whether it's DeJounte Murray, whether it's starting to make, you know, calls again on Donovan Mitchell, or at least like monitoring that situation again. Like they're ready to just finally do it. Like I think they feel like they're ready to just play the cards, do the damn thing. And so as far as how Tibbs factors in all that, I just think that the Knicks and Leon Rose are saying, look, dude, like we believe in you and you've done well for this team for the last few years that we've had you, you know, under our employ, but now it's time for this team to level up. So either make that happen or like if it hits the end of this season, especially if the Knicks make another move before the deadline and they don't look like they're making demonstrable progress going into next year. I don't know if Tibbs gets fired in the off season, but certainly by like midway through next year, he would, he would be on the hot seat because of that. Yeah. I guess my, my only pushback on your pushback is they went small. They did it for, 35 games. How many games? Am I, am I losing my mind? How many games in the season? 30, 32 games. They did it for 32 games. And then they're like, all right, let's go back to how Tibbs always wanted to play. And I'm not even saying that was the wrong thing or, or, or that this was the wrong trade, just that they were, they are, I, I think where we, where we meet on this is just clearly they agree with Tibbs. It's not about them loving Tibbs and saying, all right, I think this is crazy, but you know what? You're the coach. Let's, let's go with it. Like, I think, Leon Rose probably views basketball largely the same way and maybe slightly less to the extremes that Tom Thibodeau does, but I think they were in agreement. And again, like, I'm not sure if they were wrong. I'm pretty sure he was wrong to ever pick RJ Barrett over Emmanuel quickly on the court. I'm not sure they're wrong to pick OG Ananobi over both those guys like that. That might be right. And quickly and Brunson just might not have worked against some of the better teams in the playoffs. And we'll, we'll never get to know that, but uh, we're, we're going to find out what this looks like uh, shortly. And, and then uh, very quickly, I, I know you're not saying this, but if DeJounte Murray is, is like the checkmate move, like consider me underwhelmed. Like, like there is, there is a best version of him where you combine the defense on the Spurs with the offense on the Hawks, where that's, that's really good. And that's really appealing. And that's really enticing. And, and the idea of him, um, OG and Mitch wrecking havoc around Randall and Brunson could be really good. He's not a great three point shooter. And I think, I think whoever you have, like if the Knicks are going to be capital T title contenders, like has to be in, in some form or fashion better than Jalen Brunson. And I would not consider DeJounte Murray that personally. Um, but next one, uh, final two or, or sorry, two of the final three come from Bugsy Sig at Bugsy Sig. 
Hashtag Knicks still seemingly need a third bench creator sans IQ. Any names you can see them going for after using Fournier's money? Uh, Norman Powell, Malcolm Brogdon, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson all make around $20 million, but with additional years, which preserves that salary for future deals. Yeah, out of those names mentioned, uh, I guess maybe I, I've never been a huge Colin Sexton fan. That hasn't really changed ever since the draft with him. So I don't particularly love going after him. Norm Powell, I mean, I, I can't see the Clippers moving on from him because the Clippers, you know, on paper have been good this year so far. So I don't know why they would be like, let's trade away one of our key bench pieces. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I could see them potentially going after if they if they deem that to be something that they want to do. Um, but I, my truthful answer is I don't really see the Knicks using Fournier's money towards any of that. I I full on think they're going to make a a large move between now and the trade deadline, and they're going to use Fournier's money as a key part of that because they're short on large contracts right now. So I don't think that they're going to like, I don't want to say panic, but like act swiftly in the next like couple days to be like, oh no, for these next like for this next like week of games, we need uh, another you know creator. So let's get you know, so-and-so in here using Fournier's money. Um, I think they're going to, I think they're going to look to go for someone slightly bigger, whether that's a, a DeJounte Murray, whether it's a, uh, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell, if they feel like they can pry him out of Cleveland with the threat of him just leaving for nothing for the Knicks in a few years, uh, whatever the case may be, I, I think that's how they plan on using Fournier's money. Yeah, I think it's worth uh, throwing out that as we're talking, Alex, I just I just checked the box score. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo just put the finishing touches on on a 38-point game. It did come against the Indiana Pacers, so that's kind of like scoring 25 against a normal team. But um, maybe maybe they have a little bit more than than we think. I I am of kind of the same opinion as you. I think the Knicks are going to take a long look at what they have, and if if another move's coming, it's going to be the big one or 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 a version of the big one because they have enough right now to win a lot of basketball games, I think. And RJ's shots just being redistributed to more efficient sources. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. Dante DiVincenzo scored 38 points on 21 shots tonight, which RJ Barrett has not come close to doing despite often taking 21 shots in games this year. Let's see what DiVincenzo can do with more shots. Let's see what Quinn Grimes can do with taking the 10 shots that Evan Fournier managed to put up in 17 minutes. Alex, I did not watch this game, but I'm already infuriated. Um, that being said, I think I think there's I think there are options on the roster. Um, uh, maybe, maybe Fournier is one of them. And like if Fournier was on a different team, he would probably be on the list of like, I wonder what if they got Evan Fournier and played him off the bench. That would be cool. Um, I say all that to say, let, let's let's take a breath. Let's see what we have um, and then go from there. But I think it's a totally fair and interesting question from Bugsy Sig, which is why we're going to address another one from him. Bugsy Sig at Bugsy Sig. Also, should Grimes return to the starting lineup? Alex, I'm fully honest with you. I'm very sleep deprived. But the first time I, I read that, I thought it was also should Grimes return to the summer league? And I was like, <laughs> that's a little harsh. Even if he hasn't been playing that well this year. Um, hashtag Knicks could use uh, Dante DiVincenzo's scoring punch off the bench. And Grimes can get more shots without RJ on the floor with the starters. I kind of think my first instinct is that I want to I want to see DiVincenzo play more, and OG makes that way more tenable because he can cover up defensively. But if you want to go all in on defense, the idea of OG and Grimes playing together is super enticing. Um, I kind of think I, I think DiVincenzo is probably the better scorer right now, and 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 you need that 
a little bit more with the starters than even you do with the bench. But I, I don't know. Am I am I off on that? I think you just let Grimes potentially play himself back into the starting lineup, but I wouldn't just like throw him out there and just be like, oh, Dante, I mean, obviously, I don't think that's in the cards, especially considering, you know, like you said, DiVincenzo just capped off a 38-point night, so I don't think his job is in jeopardy in the starting lineup at all. But I could see a world where you're like, oh, all right, well, potentially, if they don't go get another full-time, you know, like ball handler type guy for in the second unit, I think DiVincenzo fills that role a little better than Grimes does. Like, as far as if you need someone to just initiate plays, like, if you had to have both Randall and Brunson out, you could cobble something together with DiVincenzo and Josh Hart kind of taking turns where I think that would work okay a little bit uh, off the bench. I mean, DiVincenzo is not exactly like a, a point guard, so to speak, but he at least, you know, I think he has a better handle than Grimes at this point. I think he's better at initiating a play or running a pick and roll or something like that. Um, so in that regard, maybe it would make sense, but we'll see if that bears itself out. First thing that has to happen is Grimes is going to get more minutes without RJ and quickly there for sure. He needs to make the most of them and play himself back into the starting lineup because he, he deserved to get benched. I mean, it was, it's sad, but like he needed it, you know, it was just, he was not confident. He was not doing any of the stuff other than the shooting that we really loved uh, on offense from him the past couple of years. And then on top of it, wasn't even doing the stuff that he normally does well, all that well. So like, he's got to figure himself out, but I really hope he does. If he does figure it out and can start playing like he did the second half of last year, then the starting lineup is going to be insane. You know, if they run Brunson Grimes, assuming no other moves, if they run Brunson Grimes, OG Randall and Hartenstein out there and Grimes can play as good as he did the back half of last year. Like that's a team that is going to make some noise, especially if you have yeah. Dante DiVincenzo coming off the bench. Yeah. Now it's one, one last point on this um, to what you said earlier. Like I would almost be surprised in games where they're both healthy. If, if there's like a single minute on any given night where one of Julius Randall or Jalen Brunson isn't on the floor. Um, I, I think, I think it's going to be a total stagger. And I think that's a necessity at this point because if not, um, the Knicks are just going to get crushed in those other minutes. And and that is that is kind of like if you want to like really boil down what the loss of Emmanuel quickly means, like that's it. Like you you do not have the luxury of, of playing without those guys. And on nights where one of them is hurt, um, you could be in some serious trouble um, because there just is not a lot of other shot creation here. Simply said. All right, one final question uh, comes from Clyde Frazier fan account at Frazier, Frazier, uh, maybe the best handle on Twitter, says, out of uh, Donovan Mitchell, Cade Cunningham, Desmond Bain, or Jordan Clarkson, who fits into this new look Knicks best? I don't know where this list was pulled from, uh, but I guess Cade Cunningham being the <laughs> obvious best player available out of those. Like, I, I know Detroit's, you know, down on their luck. They just broke the losing streak today, but. I mean, I can't see them moving him on his rookie deal considering the level of talent that he is and the fact that, like, if they ever do want to turn things around, it'd be really stupid to trade the guy who's, like, a super good playmaker, very good ball handler, good at basically everything with basketball. So let's just take his name out of there. Desmond Bain just extended on, like, a giant contract extension, max contract extension, if I'm not mistaken, with Memphis. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> so let's just talk about Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson. Donovan Mitchell, I think that's obvious. I mean, he's just a much better player. I think that now with Ananobi 
hopefully a locked in Julius Randle and then eventually Mitchell Robinson spelled by Isaiah Hartenstein or someone else. And like the amount of defensive players that you have on this team, you can, I think, afford to have a backcourt of Brunson and Mitchell, in which case, I mean, their offense is just going to be completely unmatched. I mean, that's probably one of the best offensive backcourts in basketball right now, if not the best, uh, as far as just pure scoring talent. Uh, so, yeah, I think Donovan Mitchell over Clarkson just because he's magnitude's better of a player. Now, if you need someone who you can get on the relative cheap, Clarkson is better if you want just a stopgap. But if you want like the next legitimate move and like want to really build this team out, it's Donovan Mitchell. I like Jordan Clark now. Um, I yeah, Kate Cunningham would be really cool. Um, on, on that would that's the kind of guy I'm talking about when I'm saying you could you could use someone with a ceiling higher than Jalen Brunson. Um, I cannot imagine the the Pistons though they've done some crazy stuff. Um, are are going to part with him for any number of picks, even even though he's um until like the last five games or so actually had a pretty disappointing season. Um, Donovan Mitchell, like let, let let's end here because that is the clearest guy in terms of someone who has a fairly high chance of being available certainly by next off season i would say is still a possibility to be dealt before this deadline um and has expressed an interest in coming to the knicks does that make you a championship contender like it is a fascinating question because you're all of a sudden looking at a model that is very similar to the Cleveland Cavaliers, where you have a backcourt that has no business in terms of being a defensive backcourt that is capable of winning a title, that has all the offensive potential in the world, very similar to Garland and Mitchell. Um, you have two elite defenders in Mitchell Robinson and OG Ananobi versus Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. The differences are um, Ananobi and Mitchell Robinson don't get in each other's way offensively the same way. Mitchell Robinson sort of gets in everyone's way offensively, but you have way more shooting to survive that versus when you had RJ Barrett. You have more than enough shot creation to survive that because of what Donovan Mitchell can do. And, 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 instead of having a questionable fifth starter, you have a questionable fifth superstar in Julius Randle, right? Um, so the ceiling is is just much higher than the Cavs. And to me, Alex, if you're asking me, like, we can throw out Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Giannis, if Milwaukee disappoints, the most realistic way this ends is with the Knicks doing what they didn't want to do two years ago and trade a whole bunch of picks for Donovan Mitchell. And man, would that be fascinating because unlike last time, they actually have the infrastructure to kind of support it. Is there... Is there a world where, where Brunson and Mitchell just get picked on by the Boston Celtics every single play for a series and it doesn't matter who the other defenders are on the court? Yeah, that's possible. Um, but I would I would take my chances. And I think at the end of the day, that is how this all ends. As, as we prophesized a summer and a half ago with Donovan Mitchell wearing orange and blue and the New York Knicks competing for NBA titles. Yeah, I certainly hope that that's where it ends. And I guess only time will tell. So we got plenty of time to think about it. Maybe the Knicks have quick plans to make things happen here. Wow. Uh, if if reports are to be believed or whatever. So I guess yeah, we'll see what the next few just, weeks hold. So uh, we've got roughly a month and change until the trade deadline. So it's going to be an interesting time to be a Knicks fan between now and then. But for now, 
We've talked enough about this. There's plenty more time to talk about, talk about OG Ananobi, including presumably New Year's Day when he should make his Knicks debut. So that's all coming up next week. But until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody.